Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. We're going to be doing a very specific topic because I've had so many people who want me to come walk them through their storms. And those who know me know when the Holy Spirit calls me to do that, I do that. And I learn a lot and I'm going to be writing um, a, a book on that. Or, or maybe not. I'll be, it'll be in a lot of books I'll be writing, but it'll definitely be one small booklet on how to do this. And so I really wanted to, I, I can tell sometimes when I pray for people, they're like, I wish she would walk me through this like she's walking that person through this. And so just know this, when God calls me to walk somebody specific through a, a storm, it's so I can learn how to do it for everybody, okay? And then we come here together and we learn because it's really the Holy Spirit. It's no, it's no sense in me walking you through anything that God isn't calling me to do that, okay? And so, so I was praying about, how do I help everyone learn what it takes to always become victorious in a storm? And when I say storm, I'm talking about a trial. I'm talking about that can it all joy moment that you only get to if you actually um, apply these principles and really get to know God. And so I'm going to start with a little story because I like to do that on these YouTube. So this happened recently and some of you probably know what I'm talking about and some of you won't. It doesn't matter because I actually help people who aren't just at this church, just so you know. But there was a situation where um, there was kind of a surprise attack of, of the enemy against somebody's um, small child and, and um, where it seemed like everything was fine. All of a sudden there was this sudden attack and everything looked like it was going back down to... Um, almost where it had been, you know, right after this uh, child had come out of surgery. And so it was like overnight. So those who were here Sunday, it was that later that night. And so, um, so I get a phone call uh, in the morning. And of course, I have some dear friends to myself and to you guys um, that were like, just almost, you know, devastated. And, um, and that's, okay, this isn't about pretended faith. This isn't about faking it, okay? This is about being real and helping, if you're going to walk somebody or a life coach someone through a situation, you have to recognize where they're coming from, not pretend they're not coming from that place, but help them to get into faith, okay? So, so number one, or... You could make this a principle that you need to know. When you operate in fear, you are actually doing the opposite of what you want done. Fear empowers the enemy. Fear empowers sickness. Fear empowers financial ruin. Fear empowers um, disease, sickness. You know what I'm saying? Fear is the 
atmosphere that the enemy works in. Faith is the atmosphere that God works in. Angels work when God's word is released in faith. Okay, so go get some of the teaching, go to the mentorship page, really get an understanding of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, not yet seen. Which, what does that mean? So one of the principles is you cannot look at your circumstances. You can't help but look, right? So let's put this different. You're going to look at your circumstances or you're in pretended faith. And pretended faith doesn't work. So when your circumstances surprise you or you have a surprise attack like I did a few weeks ago when, when one of my sons was attacked with um, strep pneumonia and se was sepsis, um, it was like wham, you know. And, and, um, and so personally, I have really learned to get into faith. Okay, it's good to stay there, but sometimes when you first get hit and you're not in pretended faith, when you first get hit, you have that fear and trembling moment. You have that, oh God, what do I do? And that should be your first response. Oh God, what do I do? Okay, now when I'm talking to, oh God, what do I do? When I'm walking through a storm, I'm actually talking to the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm talking to the Holy Spirit. Why am I talking to the Holy Spirit? Because it's the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me as a believer and it's the Holy Spirit who has to order my steps. If you want victory in the trial, then the Holy Spirit has to be leading your steps. Especially when I'm talking in a trial where you normally wouldn't win if you didn't know God but even in any trial, okay? So, if the first thing I have to do is be in faith, and you could go through a trial and something can hit, and how many know you've got to get yourself right back in faith? So you need to, faith, and um, faith is really seriously trusting the Lord, but it goes beyond, it's, it's knowing that he is bigger than this situation, Okay? You have to also know who you're fighting. So if your doctrine stinks and you think this is God's will, this storm you're in, and you think that God is trying to teach you something, then you can't fight. How, is there anyone in here who thinks they could fight God and win? And is there anyone here who would think that winning against God would be a good thing? So you see how bad that doctrine is? That's a doctrine of demons. It's a doctrine of demons that says that God teaches, let me say it this way. God is not the one, he is not the author and finisher of evil. Okay, so, so one of the things you need to do is first of all, don't get into bitterness. What happens the minute the enemy hits you with something and you say, oh God, no. <laughs> Why are you telling him no? He's not the one who did it. So the enemy wants to get your focus on, look, what God, look, what, look how God is failing you. Okay, so the enemy is always in a trial going to try to bring you into unbelief and doubt. Okay.
So unbelief and doubt will produce fear. Not trusting God. Unbelief and doubt will have you start to see what the devil wants you to see. So one of the first things the Holy Spirit has me do, well, when this particular thing hit, the very first thing the Lord had me do was to go to my Esword Bible and put the word healing in the search and without a hesitation, read every single scripture on healing out loud. And these, these, this couple who were involved in this put me on speakerphone. Okay, you don't need me to do that, people. You can do that. You can do that for each other. And I don't care what fight you're in. There needs to, you want to know what God's word says because that's going to build your faith. So if you're in a trial, don't wait until you get hit harder to start reading the healing scriptures or the how to, to financially overcome or how to win in a court case or whatever your situation is. Does everybody get what I'm saying? It is our responsibility to know what the word of God says. Now, if we're walking with God all the time and we go to the church he's called us to and, and we're, we really love the word of God, it won't be a big sh surprise to try to find out what does God think about this? But some people get their first introduction to wanting to have faith when they get hit hard by the enemy in a situation that really matters to them. But God wants us, the minute we are born again, to fall in love with his word, to, to read his word, to understand his word, to study his word, and, and to really begin to know our God, okay? So the more I know God, walk with God, hear God, understand his word, and it's real, not pretended, then faith is, is, is easier than fear. And then you, you calm yourself down and you begin to say, so the reason in this situation, what I would do for anybody, you know, that God had called me into a situation, I go to the word. I read that word. I speak that word. If you're not doing this over your children when they go to these crazy world out there, what, what are you waiting for to find out when, when they need tons of counseling or something? You, you're the word of God. When my kids were being raised, you guys, they heard the word of God all the time. They watched Christian television. They watched Christian veggie tales or whatever else. They were saturated with the word of God. You cannot expect them to overcome this evil world. And you can't expect yourself to overcome this evil world if you're saturated with evil. You would save yourself a lot of time in the long run to get serious about training up a child in the way they should go and not waiting for the crisis. But you would also help yourself to recognize that Jesus Christ is the word of God. He's the word of God. There's nothing more valuable to us in this walk with God than his word. 
That's why the enemy wants to take it away from us. I really encourage everybody, have a Bible hidden somewhere that doesn't look like a Bible in case we ever get to that place in the end times where they seriously say goodbye, all electronic Bibles like that, and come in to take them. If you don't think this is real, talk to someone in China. Talk to someone in a nation where they came in and they destroyed their Bibles. But be planting that word in your heart now. And you'll know if you're doing that because God's word comes out of your mouth faster than anything else. So as soon as I heard the panic in their voice and the disappointment, which I totally understood, right? It wasn't pretended faith. I know it's not pretended faith when, when, I, when somebody gets real. And so when you come and walk along somebody or you yourself are having to be raised up. So to get faith comes by what? Hearing and by the word of God. So that's twofold. There's a hearing with your natural ears, which is what I immediately did. I immediately led by Holy Spirit, not a formula, got on the the e-sword and I read every single scripture. Now I encourage you when you do this for yourself or someone else, some of those scriptures in the old covenant aren't always happy. So don't read those out loud to yourself or to someone else. If it says, and God would not heal them, don't read that one. Okay, I'm not not kidding because when you're doing this quickly and you're seeing those scriptures, there are scriptures that don't apply to every situation and you're building their faith, not showing them they're under judgment. Okay, so you have to read them and find the ones that apply. Now, when you're doing this, even in your own situation, when you're doing this in your own situation, Certain scriptures are going to jump off the page at you. So just using this example, when I was reading these scriptures, led of the Holy Spirit, when I got to the one about the centurion who said, just send the word and, and um, the servant Lord, whoever he was praying for, would be healed because he was a man under authority and he understood that if he told someone to do this, they would do this. If he told someone to do that, that they would do that. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so he understood that. Okay. Where's that scripture? Anybody know real quick? Somebody tell me. I will go there really quick because that was really important in this particular situation. All right. Matthew 8, 5. And Jesus entering into Capernaum, a centurion came near to him, begging him and saying, Lord, my child has been laid in the house. He's, par- he's a paralytic. He's tormented. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Okay, these are the kind of scriptures that you have to get in your spirit. So you said, will Jesus heal? He said, I will come and heal him. Okay? I remember when my sister's baby was really, really, had, had the report he wasn't going to live. There was no way he was going to live. I even had pastors tell me, quit giving your sister false hope. I called my sister and said, you know, these pastors of ours don't want me encouraging you with God's word. And my sister and her husband never went back to that church, not a day. So go to the right church. If you have people praying for you, you don't want them praying against you. I can't find any scripture about going on a prayer line. 
Does that mean you don't do it? No, it means if Holy Spirit tells you to do it, you do it, right? If Holy Spirit tells you to do it, then you do it. But if Holy Spirit doesn't instruct you to do that, you just gave authority in your situation to every person who reads that prayer line. And some of them may be witches. Some of them may be people who don't believe in healing today. Well, if God tells you to do it, then do it. Sometimes he may need that many people praying. I don't see in scripture where the amount of people praying uh, necessarily, I don't see a principle in scripture where the more people who pray, uh, the better the results. I'm just being honest. Um, I do see when the whole church came together and prayed for Peter to be out of jail. They had a heart for him. They knew him. They were seriously involved in that situation. And the Lord had them all come together and pray. And like I said, I'm not saying that. I, I know there's been situations where I found out things through prayer. And the Lord gave me authority to really pray into those situations. And I've seen miracles. So what, what's another principle? Do not think you can come up with rules. Okay, so, so don't be afraid. If God says put them on a prayer list, put them on a prayer list. If I ever ask for prayer, though, personally, I always make sure that I say, if you're led of the Holy Spirit, please pray for us. Because then I just canceled out everyone not led of the Holy Spirit. Whoa, okay. All right, so in this situation, I'm reading these scriptures and I get to this one, and so, and Jesus says to him, I will come and heal him. And answering the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Only speak a word and my child will be healed. So sometimes the Lord will give me a scripture like this that I can pray for someone. When, when my son uh, was attacked really sick recently, I couldn't be in California in I couldn't have gotten there in the time that I, was, I would be needed to be there to pray. So I sent, his, I sent the Lord's word. I knew I had authority. I, I asked the Lord, what's going on? Show me why this attack, it came out of nowhere. And the Lord showed me what I needed to see. He showed me the name of the spirit. I took authority. I prayed like a wild woman. I'll be honest, when I really pray, I hit a place that you don't want to probably be around. And there's a lot of power and authority when God flows through me like that. And I know when I get it. I know when I got the victory. That's called discernment. That, call, that comes with maturing in the things of God. You know when you have it and you know when you don't. And when you don't, you keep on. Or you do what he shows you next. Okay? He goes on, he says, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only speak a word and my child will be healed. Now, this was the part that jumped out to, to one of the, the parents that were involved in the situation. For I'm a man, for I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under myself. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. To my slave, do this, and he does it. Now, this is my personal thing. I want God to marvel at my faith. which is probably maybe why I'm in some tight situations sometimes. <laughs> but I, I want to be a person that God says, look at her faith. Look at her faith. She, she doesn't even hesitate to believe me. She doesn't even hesitate to fight the good fight. 
And that could be all of you. That can be all of you. All of us. And it's, it's just amazing. It's very few times you see Jesus in scripture standing back going, wow, look at your faith. Hearing Jesus marveled and said to those following, truly I say to you, this is like, he, like he means this, not even in Israel have I ever found such faith. But I say to you that many will come from the east and the west will recline with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom shall be cast out into the outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing teeth. Anyway, he goes on, and Jesus says to the centurion, go as you have believed, so let it be to you. And his child was healed in that hour. Okay, there's a lot of really powerful principles there. As you have believed. So let it be to you. That's the power of faith. That's the power of faith. When it's real faith. Now what was the revelation that this man had that caused his faith to, to cause the Lord to go wow. He understood authority. He understood authority. So I really encourage everyone in here to go study authority. I know we have teaching on it on the mentorship. I'm sure other people have teaching on it. You need to understand the authority. Jesus gave that authority to his church when he he, 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 he won all authority. That's what he paid for at the cross. He got the authority. He took back the keys of death from the enemy. He took the authority. Okay, he, he, he took back all authority. He came and he undid all works of darkness. Okay, he came to destroy the works of darkness. Okay, once again, what's a big principle? You have to know, is this a work of darkness or this is or is this something from God? If you don't if you don't have the basic understanding that you are fighting darkness, you're not fighting. You're begging. You're trying to get God to do something. You're trying to you don't you don't understand. Do you get that? You've got to you've got to stop and realize I'm fighting. Now, one thing when I'm fighting darkness. It's very beneficial if I don't have darkness in me. Now, how many know we're all in process, so there might be some places where there's still darkness. That's why we have Tuesday nights, take it to the altar. So if I'm in a trial, I'm going to try to help people find out what darkness is in them that could be stopping their victory. Now, some people get real upset with that. Like, you're blaming me. Well, I'm not blaming anybody, but I would like to find out what legal right does Satan thinks he has to do this thing. So, when I said this scripture in this particular case, um, one of the, the, the husband and wife I was talking to was like, wait a minute, that really hit me. You know, I never really understood that authority thing. I said, well, really understand it. You have authority. Now, I'll tell you some, how you have authority. Husbands and wives, God has given you authority 
over your spouse's um, bodies. That's why he says he sees you as one flesh. Which is really awesome. It's no other relationship where you have that God-given authority except a husband and wife. Which means if they can't fight for themselves, you can fight for them and you fight for them knowing you have that authority. Okay? Parents have authority for their young children. And many times you'll have authority for your older children if God is showing you things and using that love. Compassion, a sincere call to something led by God of compassion will also have authority with it. God is the one who's in charge of the authority. Husbands, wives, for your spouse, you have more authority than any pastor, any apostle, any evangelist, anyone. Because you have been given the same authority. And in your own situations, in your own situations about your finances, about, about your health, about your relationships, you have been given the authority. So get free from covering doctrine and doctrine that makes you think somebody else has that authority in a greater measure than you. That's not true. Because then you're going to get your eyes focused on getting somebody else to help you and being able to think they failed you. And that's what's so dangerous about that covering doctrine in the church. The fivefold ministry is to build you up, to equip you, to train you, to edify you, for you to go and walk in the authority God's given you. For you to connect to the headship of Jesus Christ. Okay, that doesn't mean that that authority that he's given the fivefold isn't real. Because he decides that. He decides like, okay, um, in this situation, you two are being, you know, these two, this young couple's being trained up to be ministers here. They've known that for years. And so in that training, God's decided, you know, Cindy, you're going to get involved in this and you're going to write a book and you're going to help um, other people from what I'm going to teach you. So I've had to humble myself. I've had to repent. I've had to be in this, this particular situation that's where God dealt with my pride situation which happened right in time for when my son was attacked for the enemy to lose and so you're not in any situation that God's not going to use for you okay he doesn't waste anything can everybody know God doesn't waste anything so so when you're learning when the storm comes you have to get bitterness out of your heart what's bitterness blaming God for what the devil's doing People go, yeah, but God could have stopped it. No, God gave you the authority to stop it. God gave you the authority to stop it. That doesn't mean in his mercy. You see, it's, it's, the Bible says it's unwise and not to compare ourselves one to another. So it's not for me to look at their trial and say, well, why did they get the victory and they didn't get the victory. And you can read my book, Joy Comes in the Morning. That was one of my first questions that I asked God as I went through that book. And he taught me a lot of these things. 
okay? It's unwise to compare yourself. First of all, you don't have the same generational curses that they have. You don't have the same wrong doctrine possibly that they have or the right doctrine that they have. You didn't have the parents that they have. You do you understand what I'm saying? This thing is individual. This thing is individual. If you got a victim mentality, you're going to have a hard time being a conqueror. If you were brought up with a victim mentality and nothing's your fault and poor you, you're going to have a heck of a hard time rising up to defeat the enemy. And you're going to just look for somebody else to help you. Now, if you're independent, you don't need anybody else, God's going to humble you and you're probably going to have to go and repent and ask somebody to help you and really realize you can't do this unless you humble yourself and ask somebody to pray for you or whatever. Does everybody get what I'm saying? God is about his word and pride is an enemy. Pride leads to destruction. How many knows destruction doesn't sound good? Okay. All right. Humility causes God to get involved in the fight. Humble yourself before the Lord. There's so many scriptures. You have to resist the enemy. So once again, you have to know who the enemy is. So, so the first, I won't say, I don't like saying first, second, and third. So one of the things the Lord leads me to, even when I'm talking to someone, first of all, you don't want me to walk you through, you don't want me to be your life coach in a trial if you're not willing to deal with your heart issues and repent, okay? I always say, if you want to keep your mess, keep it. If you want to hide your mess, hide it. That's between you and God. It, I don't, it, that's none of my business. Unless it affects what happens in this church, then it becomes my business. Okay, uh, get this principle. Really get this principle. Nothing really starts in the way towards victory until repentance comes. Repentance is awesome. The only people who can repent are people who are born again. You don't even get saved until you repent. The whole process of kingdom living starts with repentance. The whole process of victory starts with repentance. Why do I have to repent? Because you wouldn't be in the mess you're in if the enemy didn't have a way to come in and attack. See, we act as if a repentance means we've done something wrong. How about we're just human and we mess things up and the enemy has all kinds of ways in and we don't understand all this stuff and, um, and thank God for God. How about just understand he's faithful even when we're not? How about just understand repentance is a way of saying, God, come into this. I need you. Forgive me. Show me where I've messed up. Show me what I didn't learn that you wanted me to learn three years ago. Show me when I didn't change churches when you wanted me to change churches 10 years ago. Show me when I didn't read the book you wanted me to read five years ago. Do you understand what I'm saying? Holy Spirit will always prepare you to win. He'll actually try to get you to a place to not have to go through the storm or get through it really quick. So you need to get free from the spirit of condemnation, okay? Most people have a hard time with my teaching and preaching is because they live in condemnation. Okay, let me give you a really big spiritual law. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So the minute you feel like you're being judged or condemned, guess what? You're not in Christ Jesus. 
So another big principle, stay in Christ. Stay hidden in Christ. Die to self, die to flesh. Get to a place where that's real. That's not just something you can pretend in your head. It's a reality of being in Christ. If I'm not in Christ, I am in condemnation. So, 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 so the minute I feel like, I can't believe she said that. I can't believe she'd ask me that. I, you, you live in condemnation. No, no one can really help you to run a race victoriously if you live in condemnation and you're defensive and you won't deal with that he's faithful even when we're not. It's okay. He died so we can repent. It's okay, Holy Spirit convicts us because we need to repent. Repentance is an awesome gift. There's no salvation without repentance. There's really probably no healing without repentance. There's no restoration without repentance. There's no change without repentance. So what does repentance mean? God, somewhere I've missed it. Somewhere I've missed you. Somewhere something's happened that's let the enemy in. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Now show me, where did I miss you? And to get ready, because he's not going to say, oh, wonderful dumpling darling. You've never missed me. There's not been a single thing you've ever done to be out of my will. Wow, you have just 100% you've just right where I need you to be. Right? So, so get ready for him to say, well, I kind of tried to get you to go to that conference and I sort of wanted you to start listening to this person's teaching or I kind of tried to get you to go do this and I told you to go get help for this and tell somebody. Do you get what I'm saying? So here's the good thing. There's no condemnation. If there was condemnation, you start beating yourself up and go, oh, I'm just too late. I can never win this now. Look what's happening. Oh, God. Oh. Okay, there's no condemnation. It does mean you're going to have to run fast. It does mean you're going to have to keep your eyes on Jesus. It does mean that you're going to have to learn what he tried to get you to learn sooner. And it does mean that if you change what he says in his word, if you don't get the victory, you never really believed his word anyway. For example, when Lauren died, my daughter, those who don't know, when my seven-year-old daughter died in front of me, when the tree branch went through a hedge, you can get it, Joy Comes in the Morning is the name of my book. Had I changed what God had taught me all the years up to that, my son would not be alive today. And so I asked the Lord what happened while her body was still in the yard because they left her body there for like three hours. And the Lord said to me, I told you to break the power of that curse spoken over you by somebody from your church who came to try to sell us insurance. Was I mad at them? No, because if they could do it, anybody could have done it. Was I mad at myself? No, but I really wish I had listened to the Lord. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I said, oh, Lord. And the Lord showed me where he tried to remind me that he told me to break the power of those words, and, and I didn't do it. 
but there's no condemnation. If you can't get to a place to live outside of condemnation, even when you really miss it big, then it's not real what you're doing. What you're doing is based on, you're just doing what you're doing, wanting a certain outcome. You're not doing what you're doing because you want truth, right? And that's why people can have a hard time because most people change doctrine to make themselves faithful and somehow you don't understand God. And that never really helps anybody. It doesn't help anybody to think that God caused disease. It doesn't help anybody to think that God killed their child. It doesn't help anybody to never be able to trust God again. And boy, what an open door for the enemy to keep attacking, right? Right. Does that make sense? Okay, so this isn't something I'm doing just to get to what I want. This is something I'm doing because I want to know God. I want to know God. Deal with condemnation. Get into teaching. See where you need to deal with it. You know, it's like, oh, right away I'd feel condemned if, if that happened to me. Get in the word and find out what he says about condemnation. Ask him, how do I get free from that? Show me how to get free from condemnation. Condemnation's a big one. That's where Satan keeps you where you can't repent. He keeps you feeling bad all the time. He keeps you feeling defeated all the time. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There's the reality that we're human beings. Thank God we're filled with the spirit, but we still can miss it. We're human beings who before we knew Christ, we missed it all the time. We're human beings who've heard wrong teaching. Do you understand what I'm saying? We live in a really fallen world, everybody. And so we have to get to revelation. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. The other thing we have to know in any fight is heaven is real. And Paul says it's gain to go there. To live is Christ, to die is gain. So what does that mean? That means God's not going to heal you because he, he doesn't want you to go to heaven. He, God's not going to heal you because somebody thinks they need you. Why? Because God can meet every need. Okay, he's not into codependency. He's not going to heal someone just because you want him to. How many knows if that were the case, almost everybody would be healed. Okay? God moves by faith and spiritual law. And the only way to get faith and understand his spiritual laws is to be led by his spirit. That's it. It's like, oh, I don't want to be led by his spirit. I want to do this myself. You can't. Why don't you want to be led by the Holy Spirit? Why don't you trust the Holy Spirit? So, another big principle, get a good relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I don't have time to tell you how to do that tonight, but maybe we'll go over that some other time, maybe next Tuesday. But reading the Word, inviting Holy Spirit to come and teach you, talking to the Holy Spirit, okay, Get this, Jesus Christ undid the works of the enemy. He already took every single disease on his, with his stripes. Okay, he took it. He took, so anyone who's fighting a disease, anyone who's fighting for someone who's fighting a disease, he took all torment. He took every suicidal thought on his, when he took that thorns to his head, all right? He took everything, you guys, all right? You got to get that. Jesus already did all that he's going to do. 
Now, when they say, Jesus, heal me here, he hadn't done that yet, right? Right? Okay, he, we're in a different place than where Jesus walked on the earth. When Jesus walked on the earth, he was revealing his will. He was revealing his heart. He was showing us he's a healer. He's a deliverer. He came to save us. Even on the cross, he's saving a guy. You know what I'm saying? All right. But we are in a different time. We are in the church age. Okay. We are in the age where he, you can go look in the book of Acts. He leaves and he gives his authority to us. He's like, okay, I won. I did this. You're my body. You have to rule and reign on the earth. Here's the authority. Okay, I just really want you to get how this works. Jesus is ever interceding for you. So he's interceding. Right now, put your name there. Jesus is going, okay. I'll just say, okay. Oh, Holy Spirit, help Cindy to see this. Holy Spirit, help her to teach this. Or help her to see, like when my situation happened recently, help her to see, help her to see, help her to go to that scripture I gave her years ago. Help her to see what the, why the enemy's attacked. Help her to see that I just destroyed the pride in her that Satan came to set this up to do this. Okay? Now get rid of, I already feel, I already feel this thought process, but I don't know God that well. We'll repent for that. Repent for that. The Bible says, spiritual law, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Right? So repentance is good. Everybody say repentance is good. It's really good. Everything changes when I repent. I get a new start. It doesn't mean that I might have to run faster. Okay? Because this is real. This is a real warfare. This isn't pretend. This is a real enemy who's out to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. Okay? So if something's trying to kill, steal, and destroy, don't ever blame God. We're not going to get a whole teaching on judgment. It's a whole different thing. But your personal trials are not judgments, okay? Your personal trials is Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and Jesus comes to give us life and give it abundantly. Jesus already, get this, Jesus already finished work. He said it's finished, paid to undo every work of the enemy. I mean, this is so, so real it doesn't have to be heavy-duty stuff. Most of you know my story, but it was so powerful when I had the, the uh, kidney stone, and it was a doozy, okay? And they're looking at it and doing their little, whatever the x-rays, whatever they do, and they go, ooh, <laughs> ooh, you're going to be in some really bad pain for the next couple of days, and, and hopefully this will pass because it's really a big one. And um, they're explaining it's like on a slide, and when it starts coming down, which should be somewhere in the next few hours there's no stopping you're just going to have to get through this so here's they gave me like here's um whatever those heavy duty painkillers are you're going to need this I'm like I'm not taking it and they're like you're going to want this I'm not taking it they made me take one home and they they told me they told me don't come back here don't come back here asking for this stuff I said don't worry I won't 
and they said, um, then they said, drink tons of water and ginger ale. And then they wanted to give me a muscle relaxer. And then they wanted to give me all this other stuff. So whatever. Well, before, before, because I know how to do this walking with God. Okay. I'm not boasting. It's like, okay, this, this won't kill you. People go through kidney stones all the time. From what I understand, it wasn't fun. Okay. It was kind of painful at the time. The minute he said kidney stone, that they were going to check for that. Immediately, I thought, where is my heart hard, God? Where is there a hard place in my heart or in my thinking that has allowed the enemy to do this? And the Lord showed me. So I repented. Right there, I didn't get all loud or anything. I said, God, forgive me. God, have mercy. I said, forgive me. I will deal with that critical spirit. I will deal with what I was saying about this person. God, forgive me. You guys, the pain went away before the x-ray, before they ever came back with the x-ray telling me I had a kidney stone. When they went, my pain level was like at nine. And for me to be a nine is probably a 13 or 14 for anybody else. And when they came back and they're starting this drip and all this stuff, what are you doing? They said, well, we're going to give you your first. I said, no, no, no. They said, well, we don't want you to leave till you do all. I said, no. I said, I don't even have any pain anymore. They're like, what? I said, I don't have any pain anymore. And they're like, lady, you're crazy. You know, they're writing all this up. And they told me, don't you come back. Because when this, I said, I'm, I'm not coming back. And we left there. Now my brain is like, oh no, this is, they go, well, they'll probably start back up. You're just having a little pause or whatever, which could have been, you know, whatever. So I tell my husband, he said, well, let's go to the drugstore. He's so sweet. I said, no. I said, I'm not taking any of this stuff. I said, just get me some water and ginger ale. That's it. And then I told him, I'm going upstairs. I don't care what you hear. Don't come upstairs. I said, either God's going to carry this pain and we're going to go through this, or he's going to take, take care of it. I said, so just don't come upstairs. Leave me alone for a day or two. Just leave me alone. Me and God are going to do this thing. So I go up there and you're kind of, your brain's kind of going, I got my little doggy and my brain's kind of going, Ooh, the devil's like, this is going to hurt so bad and all this. And you heard how big it is. And, and I'm just like, God, and I, I, I say kidding now. And at the time I'm just, I said, Lord, I don't feel this. And then of course your body starts feeling that's, you know, the devil's like gives you a little pain. And I said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want. You carried my pain. So are you going to carry my pain or are you going to get rid of this thing? Because you can do all. And it was so cool because he told me to go look in the scripture. And it was in a Bible version I have never used before um, on my e-sword. And it said, Satan, what did it say? Jesus came to dissolve the works of the enemy. I thought, wow, that's really cool. And all of a sudden, I had a revelation. And I saw, um, I just saw um, the Lord put his hand out. And it was like that kidney stone was in there. And he went like this and it disappeared. I fell into a trance-like sleep, woke up fine. My husband's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. It's gone. He said, are you sure? And everybody, even church, I came to church on Sunday and everybody's looking at me funny like, well, it's still only been a few days. Finally, I think a month or so later, finally everybody believed it. Like, oh, it really was dissolved. And, and has the devil tried to make me feel it once in a while? Yeah. You know, I'm like, it's not happening. It's not happening. 
Yes, I don't drink caffeine. I don't do things to purposely make it bad and power drinks and all that mess, okay? Because you're going to reap what you sow. But even then, God's merciful. And, and I tell you that because sometimes really hearing how somebody goes through something that's not life and death, you know, really changes things. Okay, is this helping anybody? So, repentance. Repent if you have wrong doctrine. Repent if you blamed God for something. Go really deep and get rid of bitterness. Remember, bitterness is blaming God. Get rid of all unforgiveness. And we've got lots of teaching on the mentorship to help you with this. I really encourage you to do these things. Don't just come and listen to one teaching. Go after it. Go after the teaching you need. Get in the word. Find out everything God has to say about something. And then ask Holy Spirit to help you. Get it. He is truly your life coach, okay? He's right there. Say, Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Jesus never rebuked anyone for asking for help. He did rebuke them after spending so much time with them, his, his apostles, his disciples, for, ha for having such little faith. Because they'd seen miracle after miracle after miracle. Now, that's the other thing. So when I was talking with this situation that made me think of doing this the other day, um, after I went over the scriptures and they begin to see that scripture, um, I begin to zero in on something. And I, I zeroed in on it actually when the testimony was given on Sunday. And I was trying to be kind because everybody likes to give me a hard time for everything. And so I heard this person say something that hit my spirit like, you know, that's not quite right. But I thought, okay, my gosh, you're giving an awesome testimony. They've gone through all this. I'm not going to get up there and say something and everybody's going to think, oh, here she goes and blah, blah, blah. Can I just tell you all, quit thinking it so I can just do what I need to do and, and be led by Holy Spirit to help some people. I'm, I'm not going to care. I'm really seriously not going to consider what you're thinking about me any longer, just so you know, okay? Because it gets very serious when you decide not to obey God because you're thinking somebody's going to have a remark about it or something, okay? Because what I saw during the testimony, had I reacted to it, maybe would have stopped the whole thing. So then I knew as we're talking that it was about what happened is we went to the courts of heaven. So that's another thing. And when we talk about the courts of heaven... You're basically, and there's no formula for it. You can read the book if you want, whatever. I, I went to the courts of heaven before I ever heard any teaching when I was in Russia and somebody was in the hospital and they were going to keep them there. It was a mess. And next thing I know, I told God, get everybody off the bus. He got, everybody got up and got off the bus at one time. And with a bunch of Pentecostals I hardly knew. And the Lord said, we're going there. Next thing I know, I see God. I see his, I see like a, um, a court you know, like a judge behind a, whatever you call that thing. What do you call that thing? What do you call the thing a judge sits behind? Like the bench, yeah, whatever. And he's sitting there, it's God is, and all of a sudden he's having me plead the case for this person in, in a Russian hospital, which can be really bad. And I'm just led by Holy Spirit pleading this case. And then after I plead this case, the Lord says, grant it. And next thing I know, I felt the presence of God, the power of God, the, he said, the situation's over. Then everybody got back on the bus and like, just like that, they had decided to move this woman out of the country because 
back then and probably now too, if Russia knows you have insurance that will pay international, they're not letting you out till they get the last penny. And we all had to leave because our visas were up the next day. And what happened is after prayer, God got her out of the country before we even got out of the country. And she was back here at home. It was a bleeding ulcer. And she was fine by the time we all got back home. I never heard about courts of heaven. There are scriptures about it. But what, it, what, it, what the, the whole thing of it is, go and tell God your case, okay? And you always use his word. Nothing else, just get this, your feelings aren't going to impress him. I mean, he has compassion, but he's not going to be moved by your feelings. He's not going to be moved by how much you think somebody needs you. He's not going to be moved. He knows he can carry your grief. He knows that he's the husband to the one without a husband. He knows he's the father to the fatherless, right? He, he like knows I can handle all this. That's not why I'm going to do this. So when you go before the Lord, you seriously go with the word of God. And you really plead your case in the anointing. And you all have heard the story about um, my son when he had permanent brain, liver, and lung damage from chicken pox. And I had ha I, I really, um, I really, I really was upset because my daughter had died. It wasn't even a year ago. And here we were looking at this trial. And they told us our son was going to be like a two-year-old if he lived, and the chicken pox virus was eating his brain, his liver, his lungs. They didn't know when it was going to stop. They wouldn't know how bad the damage. They were already t calling chaplains to come talk to us. They were telling us to get an apartment for rehab in Richmond and that we would not bring home the little boy that, that came in there. And I just remember my husband's at the hospital with him, and I did not know God even as much as you've got all been taught of God at this point, if you've been at this church any time. And I just got the word. I opened it. I had a real, the other kind of Bible back then. And I said, God, and I didn't know I was going to the courts of heaven, just so you know, it's okay. I said, God, you said it. Look here, it's in your word. And you said that you healed them all. You said it. I didn't make this up. I said, you said this. You wrote this. This is your word. You can't lie. You say you can't lie. So how can my son not get healed? My son has got to get healed because you can't lie. And your word says it. And I just pleaded. I mean, I was in God's face. Because I meant it. I'll never forget. It's the first time the Holy Spirit ever spoke to me so strong it scared me. And he's invisible, just so you know. So you won't ever see the Holy Spirit with your natural eyes. But I knew exactly where he was. He was standing right in front of me. He pointed his finger at me. He said, ask believing without doubt and it'll be done to you by your Father in heaven. Just like that. And I weighed every single word that I asked. Because I know I could have just blabbered out, just let him live, God. Just let him live and let him come home. But I didn't. I said, No. I want his brain completely healed. I want his lungs completely healed. I want his liver completely healed. I want every body part healed. The only thing I didn't ask because I didn't know how was, Lord, go to the curse of this thing and break it because I did not know that. I didn't have that revelation yet. But every single thing he did like the next day is amazing.
the doctors were amazed. They said, we had no way to help you. We, we, I said, and I kept saying, what about his brain damage? It, it was amazing. Let me just say that. It's in the book, I think. Joy comes in the morning. But what am I saying to you? This isn't about formulas. This is about a relationship with the real God who is the judge. A real God who is the advocate. A real God who is the healer and has released the healing. He's, he's better. It's almost better than him being the healer. Because he's already done it. And now he's given us authority to enforce it. Now, I only enforce it because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enforces, not Cindy, not you. Human beings, we can't enforce anything. It's not mind over matter. It's not mind over matter. It's not how hard I think it or wish it or how many times I say it. That's pretended faith. It's a revelation given to me by God. So I need to talk to Holy Spirit. I need to hear what he wants me to do. I need to do it. Even if I look ridiculous. I was talking to somebody who, who was somewhere and somebody came in, so they quit praying. I said, don't quit praying because somebody comes in. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't be obnoxious. Don't get in their face. But it's okay that people know you're praying. Release the word. I mean, there was a time when Mitchell was in the hospital for something, and um, it was Halloween. And they had pictures of skeletons and witches all in the corridor. Now, here my child was, so skinny, so sick. And I walked out to the nurse's station, and I said, I want every picture of skeleton and witches off these walls. I said, these are kids fighting for their lives. My kid, I don't want him to look like a skeleton. I don't want to be looking at skeletons. And they came right away and took every single thing down. It's time we stand up for what we believe. In love, not arrogance, not to insult people, but in love. I'm not saying I was all that much in love with them at the time, but I was in love with my son. We need a boldness. The baptism of the Holy Spirit makes us bold. Not obnoxious. A religious spirit makes you obnoxious. A legalistic spirit makes you obnoxious. A pretended faith spirit makes you obnoxious. <laughs> Sit down, Lauren. <laughs> she'll, she'll, that kid will never make me upset. One of the greatest things of faith I've ever learned was when God put that little girl back in her mother's womb and gave her life after the doctor said she wasn't in the womb anymore. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget sitting, standing up here. I, was it, it was this building. We were in this building. I had the mic and sit in my wireless. And all of a sudden I start tapping. The mic sounded just like a heartbeat. And the Lord prophesied through me and put that heartbeat back in her and put that baby back in the mom's womb. And that kid's a prophet. And those doctors couldn't believe it. They kept prophesying um, retardation and this. And they kept looking at she. We know for a fact she was dead for two hours. So there's just no way. And that was another one to really walk through. And I, I'm going to testify. I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on God. I don't walk through this stuff just so... So I, I get to learn it. 
I walk through this stuff so you get to learn it. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of what he's called me to. I'm not ashamed of how I've done it. I am who I am and God's changing me from glory to glory and I do it all over again, hopefully better. But we need to be the body of Christ. We need to start stepping out in faith. Deal with bitterness. Deal with disappointment. When you go to face your storm tonight, don't look back on how many years you've been fighting it. Don't look back on how many prayers you prayed that didn't work. His mercies are new every morning. If, if you're praying for somebody else or believing for somebody else and they're a believer, or if they're not, you need to talk with them and you need to get with them. And sh don't worry about hurting their feelings, okay? If you're doing it in love, they'll know that. So if you know there was sin issues in their life or generational curses or bitterness or unforgiveness, then, then help them deal with those things and help them see there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And then if they don't want that help, then fine, back off and then just pray. Just trust God, just pray. But being afraid to speak the truth in love is fear-based. And pe people get hurt. People get hurt when things don't work the way they think. And there's disappointment. I see that in my own family. But then you just make it right as you can and just get it. Some people won't understand until they get to heaven. Just everything you do, do it in love. Not fear. So just to recap here. Hopefully not everyone in here is facing a terrible storm. But everyone here needs to get a really strong relationship with Holy Spirit. Read Good Morning Holy Spirit if you haven't read that. Or another good book about the Holy Spirit. I remember when I read Good Morning Holy Spirit years ago. Now I don't agree with everything in that book. Just so you know, the only book that I agree with everything in is the Bible. And, and I know when I read Good Morning Holy Spirit, Benny Hinn was like, if I missed an hour, the next day I had to do two hours. And, okay, that, that doesn't happen for me, okay? If I miss a day praying, I don't have to go and make that up the next day or anything. Um, but delight yourself in the Lord. I enjoy God. I, I enjoy having a relationship with God. And when I get really worn out, what does the Bible say? Don't grow weary in good doing if you want to reap. So when I start feeling weary, which believe it or not, that really can hit a lot, especially with so much going on right now. So what do I do when I feel weary? Well, for one thing, I don't sit there and tell God all my problems that he already knows. I don't sit there and fight, fight, fight the devil. I know I need the joy of the Lord. I need strength. So I'll put on a song about the joy of the Lord. I'll put on one of the 
videos from Rodney Howard Brown where everybody's falling down laughing or Hagen and when the Holy Spirit hits and everybody gets filled with joy. You know, I'll do what I, I'll do what I need to do to get the joy of the Lord. Whoa. And I don't care. I'll call a few friends and we'll have a Holy Ghost party and we're going to get the joy of the Lord. You can't spend your whole life focused on the intensity of the fight. The Lord, no, the Lord can do this without, you know, he's like, he's cool with you uh, knowing you need your joy. He also really likes for you just to hang out with him some minute and not even want to think about the problem. Worship music is awesome. Keep worship music on as much as you can around someone who's fighting a battle. Keep the word on. Keep everything negative away. Life and death is in your tongue. It's really important not to tell people things who don't have faith. Jesus asked people to leave a room who didn't have faith. He chose which disciples to go with him that could handle it. So we need to, we need to be serious about these things that he's serious about and studying his word. So let me see what I have on here that I maybe didn't say. Because you know I could talk on this for a long time. All right. So you must increase your faith and deal with your fear. All right, so you need to deal with your fear. You don't pretend it's not there. It's okay. It's okay to even, okay. The devil knows when you have fear because he's given it to you. God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if we have one, guess who gave it to us? But God gives us love, power, and a sound mind. So if I'm combating fear, then I need to focus on love. I need to focus on the love of God. I need to focus on the goodness of God. I need to focus on everything God has done for me in the past. You can find that David does a pattern in the Psalms where he says, and God did this, and God did that, and God did this. And you build up your faith in God. You don't have faith in you. You have faith in God. And you have confidence that that God loves you. You have confidence that you can go boldly to the throne room. Get out of living in sin. It's really hard to pray if you're living in sin. And it's supposed to be. Okay, it's supposed to be. We're not supposed to sin, 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 have an emergency and then cry out to God. We're supposed to, and if you do that, fine, you need to repent. But you need to take living holy serious. How serious is it? It put Jesus on the cross and he went to hell for it. It's very serious. God can give nothing to a double-minded person. That's a spiritual law. So you need to make sure you're not double-minded. What's double-minded? I can think one thing about this and I can think something else about the same thing. I can live one way, a hypocrite. Okay, hypocrisy is terrible. So if your situation of sinning got you into a sickness or got you into a bad relationship or financially ruined you, you go back and you repent repent and mean it and recognize oh my gosh god this is what you were trying to stop me from this is this is what the enemy was setting me up for okay and and you know when when caleb was sharing the other day he's repentant for so many things they broke so many generational curses 
there, there wasn't a single thing that the enemy's able to use that they haven't had opportunity to deal with sooner. There's no condemnation in that. How many know we're kind of like that? A lot of times we don't deal with stuff until it's right in our face. But that doesn't mean that we didn't have opportunity to, especially at this church. So you want to break generational curses. What are those? Those are family. Anyway, we have teaching on it, okay? Um, you want to get free from bitterness. You want to understand God. Ask Holy Spirit, help me understand God. Go read one of the gospels. See Jesus. See how much he loves you. Get healed where you saw him wrong. That's a big issue for a lot of people who had fathers who weren't godly men who had abuse in their lives. And you need to see God correctly. God is not like your natural father. He even tells you that, okay? He's a good, good God. Get rid of all the lies. Get rid of all the lies that are taught, um, even in churches and doctrine, that, that take away from how awesome God is. Now, that he doesn't allow us to keep sinning doesn't make him bad. Because sin opens the door for disease. Sin opens the door for relationship problems. Sin opens the door to destroy our finances. Sin opens the door, okay? So when God doesn't want us to sin, he doesn't want us to be a master to Satan. He doesn't want Satan to be our master. And he wants to divinely protect us, okay? It's no different than you going outside and you're crossing the street and you hold your little kid's hand and they want to run off on their own, but you won't let them, right? You're mean, you don't trust me. Shut up, we're crossing the street. You don't say, be Sweetie pie, let me talk more like Miss Laurie. It's okay, sugar. I'm just going to hold your hand to help you cross. That, that's good. That, that wasn't my parenting style. <laughs> Shut up and let's go. Anyhow, but, um, and God's probably more like Miss Laurie, just so you know. But, but here, here's the thing. The heart is, you're going to safely get across the street, and I'm going to make sure of it. God wants you to safely get through this journey on life, and he's going to make sure of it. And that's called conviction. That's called his word. That's called doing what he shows you. That's called, he's not a mean, mean God. He's a caring, caring father. When he says, put away drinking, when he says, put away uh, sexual sin, when he says, put these away, it's not because he doesn't like fun. He created everything fun. Satan's perverted it to destroy us. God's not trying to take anything from us. He's putting it back the way it belongs. Okay, all right. So then you have repentance. You're gonna do that throughout your whole fight of faith. As soon as the enemy shows up, one of the first things, Lord, show me why Satan thinks he can do this. So I'll go back to the story. What happened for, for this young couple is they begin to see, they begin to see, um, they, they really saw where a doctor who had a high authority and, and some of the other people around the situation um, were probably from a false religion. And they could tell they were kind of mocking towards Christianity. And so they did what you needed to do. They, they broke the power of any curses. They, they, they took authority over it. You see what I'm saying? They did what you needed to do. But their focus began to get on those people as the problem their focus began to focus on what the devil was doing. And so that fear came in. And what actually happened is the baby was, was out of there but had to go back to there because of that fear. The thing you fear most will come on you. 
So they were so happy to get the baby away from that situation. Now they had situations in their past, both of them, of not trusting doctors and blaming doctors. So there was a generational thing there. And so when, when I was hearing the testimony, the one that, when I was hearing, um, when we were talking and we went to the throne of heaven, I heard one of them begin to really rebuke and bind and take authority over the, the doctors and stuff where they were. And I thought, and the Lord's like, whoa, whoa, you know. And I said, hey, this is where you're missing it. Now that's for me to hear by the spirit. Your focus, you don't run a race focusing on what the devil's doing. You always win focusing on Jesus. You never, ever let yourself believe that the enemy is greater than our God. You never let yourself believe that Holy Spirit in you is weak in comparison to somebody who practices witchcraft or somebody, and quit reading those books about witchcraft. Quit reading where these people make it sound so terrible. A baby with a tiny bit of faith has more authority than a Satanist. You quit building up this mess. Quit watching this stuff about witchcraft. And I love witchcraft and it's so bad. Well, you know what? I've never been in witchcraft and I'm not afraid of a single witch or demon anywhere. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over them by the blood of the lamb and that settles it. And that's what I say. I said, you bind something once if you mean it. And then you let it go. But, but the enemy was causing them to focus and blame people. We don't wrestle against people. I'm not saying this to, I'm just showing you there's real reasons, okay? There's, you guys, the minute they saw that broke it, and they went over to, and they had to get their hearts right. Like, get your heart right towards these people. Get your heart right. So this is for everybody. You have to get your heart right towards everybody in the situation, people. You cannot focus on what the devil did, how he used that person. Your focus has got to be who? Jesus and an awesome heavenly father and a glorious Holy Spirit. You've got to get your focus on Jesus. And not let the enemy drag your focus over this way or that way or get off track. And I know in my race, at one point, the same thing happened to me. I started getting so mad at, not at a person, but at the devil. And Lord goes, I don't want you living your life for me because you're mad at the devil. I want you to live your life for me because you love me. And so, so we started getting their focus back. This is the really cool part of this whole thing. After the prayer after their focus was on Jesus, after they really asked God to help them love these people and be a light, they went back to that unit. Lo and behold, the baby had not backtracked at all. They did not put it back on any machines. They did not give it any medication, nothing. They just had to go in the room, be nice to those doctors, and the baby's already one day put back where it was. And guess what they learned? Get your eyes on Jesus. Don't give the devil authority by thinking he's so powerful. Don't give the devil authority by focusing on where you've been hurt. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is serious. Don't, don't, that, that's the part where you keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes, how will you know when you're not? Because all of a sudden, so, so for example, you know, you could be called to read a book but you're only called to read one little section, you do it. But next thing you know, you're spending all your time breaking all this witchcraft stuff. Wait a minute, this isn't the time to be doing that unless God shows you that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Keep your eyes on Jesus. All right. 
So we want to destroy root of bitterness. You've got to know what is coming from God and what is coming from the enemy. You need a clear distinction so you know who you're fighting. Always. All right. Prayer is a two-way conversation with God. He's okay if you freak out and you're crying and you're begging him to help you. But a really good prayer then is a biblical prayer, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Lord, help my unbelief. Do what he shows you, how he shows you. It's okay. A lot of us have walls. We don't want to be vulnerable. We got to let go of those walls. I tell you, this. so many people in this place have walls. It's like praying for you guys sometimes. I'm just being honest. It's like I hit demon after demon. I'm like, Lord, when are they going to let these walls down? You have to decide. You have to decide to trust God. He is not like people who've hurt you. And if you haven't gotten that breakthrough yet, get in the word and get that breakthrough. Spend time with God. Get in the teaching. Don't wait. You know, when, you, when you see something that's off, can I tell you something? You're in a trial. Don't wait until the enemy just destroys you. Can I get an amen? It's like, it's like hard-headed people with walls wait till uh, the knuckles in her. It's like, jeez. When you see that you have a hard place in your heart and you can't feel the presence of God and you don't think right about the Father, deal with it then. Because this isn't about you just being okay in a trial. This is about you knowing God. This is about you knowing God. Repent for where you did things wrong in your parenting, as, as a spouse, in whatever area. It's okay. Repentance is good. And if he tells you to go to the person, then go to him. Don't go to somebody who doesn't even know that you've been hateful thinking about him or whatever. And they just say, well, I just got to let you know. <laughs> it's like, okay, thanks, you know. <laughs> I've hated you for years. Thank you. Anyway. Now, if God tells you to, fine. It's because they already know you think like that. But otherwise, just, how do you say this? If you know, no matter what you're not telling them, he's going to make you tell them probably. And if you can't wait to tell them, then he's probably not going to have you tell them. All right? All right, we have a God who is an ask, seek, and knock kind of God. I remember, and I've told this before, but after going through all this time with Mitchell, like something would come and I'd pray and it'd be gone. And something would come and I'd pray and it'd be gone. And it was like unbelievable. The doctors were like, what is going on? Years. I finally said to God, Lord, isn't there an easier way? Couldn't I just find out about this stuff ahead of time? He says, yeah. I said, what? He said, you never asked. Slow learner. That's probably 12 years into this or who knows how long into this marathon of a trial for my son. And I finally go, God, there's got to be an easier way. Can't you just tell me what's in my heart ahead of time? Can't you just show me the schemes of the enemy? He goes, yeah, my word says to know the schemes of the enemy. But you never asked. And don't get weird about it and think everything's about the enemy. Can I, can I tell you, with all of this, 
Keep your eyes on Jesus and growing in your relationship with Jesus, okay? That's the key. If you ever get your eyes off of that, you're, you're in the wrong race. No matter what you're going through, can, can, I get, can we all get this? We're all actually in the same race, but we're not competing against each other. That race is to know God. That race is to draw near to God and know God. We're in that same race no matter what's going on around us. And no matter what I'm going through, I can count it all joy. What does his word say? All things work together for good. But there's two conditions. To those who love God, okay, how do you show? You obey him. That's how you, he knows. You show him you love him because you obey him, you fear him, you reverence him, and you obey him. And you're called to his purpose. That doesn't mean five-fold calling. It means I want my life to be Serve. I want my life to do whatever it is that God wants me to do to glorify him. I want to talk to whoever he wants me to talk to. I want to share. I want to do hospitality. Whatever it is, I want my life focused to be to glorify God. If those two things are real in your life, it doesn't matter what the enemy hits you with. It's going to work to good. So, so like I was telling in this trial, we were just walking these people through. I said, you know what? This has got to work to good. And both of them really learned about authority. They both really learned that they could love these people and not blame people. I mean, and, and it's already, everything's already turned around. And, and it's, it, you know, Holy Spirit, I want you to get this in a trial too. God wants us to count it all joy. He wants to establish us. That, that's his word. <laughs> so he wants us to ask. He wants us to seek. He wants us to knock. What does that mean? If I ask and I don't get the answer right away, I've got to search. I've got to go look through scriptures. I've got to see what scripture says. I've got to see if he has me listen to somebody's teaching, go to a conference, okay? Sometimes I can just ask and get the answer. But I've got to tell you, I think in our nation, we're all so busy doing everything else. We don't like to seek. Somebody else do that for me. Well, we have a God who says, ask, seek. Seek and, and I'll give you the answers. Seek, find out, look in my word. You study, you go find my scriptures. You, you see where I take you. you. Your whole life changes when you begin to see God in all these ways. He's like, wow, he put that book there. He showed me this. He's doing this now. He's amazing. He's an ask, seek, and then knock. Knock means you have to literally do something. You're going to have to really bust through and do something. So the Lord may say, okay, you've asked, and I'm leading you. You're seeking the answer. You're seeking me. But now what's the knocking? Well, the knocking might be going on a missions trip. The knocking might be giving an offering. The knocking might be uh, stepping out and helping somebody else. Knocking is an action. Okay, asking is just ask. Seeking is search it out. Knocking is an action. And we serve an ask, seek, and knock God. So isn't it nice? Some people can just ask and they get their miracle healing. But then you're, you come along and you're like, you ask and you're not getting the answer. Well, if you're here, you're probably seeking. And if the knocking comes along, then you do what he shows you to do. Sometimes that's hard. I mean, I had to tell a doctor, a highfalutin NIH um, main doctor 
that he was lying to me. That my son's tests weren't in and he was lying to me. Well, that was a real knocking thing because I have a really wonderful engineer husband who doesn't, he's a peacemaker. Now, he really has a heart to make peace all the time. And he married someone who's got much more of a prophetic bent, who's not trying to make peace as much as they're trying to shake everything up that can be shaken. And so I'm in there, and the Lord's like, tell him he's lying. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Now, I got to know I hear God, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, sir, the tests aren't in. He goes, what? I said, the tests are not in yet. <laughs> and he's looking at me like, are you calling me a liar? I said, all I know are the tests aren't in yet. And then his associate doctor with him, God makes that doctor say, she's right, the tests haven't come in. I never saw her again. I don't know what happened, but I pray. But I never received that disease that they wanted to say my son had that was generational. And I had to forgive. I'm not going to go. It was a lot I went through. Let me just tell you, I really learned submission. I really, really learned submission. I really had to deal with heart issues. There was a lot of learning to submit to my husband in this whole thing. But at one point, um, at one point, the Lord told me to write a letter. This is another knocking thing. Write a letter to that doctor. And I hadn't gone back. Only my husband went with my son write a letter to that doctor and tell him his whole life story. God gave me the man's whole life story. Tell him he has a God complex, that he's not God, but that I'm there, that we're there, not because we need him, but because he needs Jesus Christ. And so I wrote that all in a letter. I'm thinking, how am I going to get this to this guy? And then his main nurse came out and Mitchell recognizes. I said, oh, could you please give this thank you letter? And it was, I, I just say thank you for all you can do. He died of a brain tumor within the next visit, which was a month later. I believe he got saved. I believe when he opened that letter and he heard his whole life story and how much Jesus loved him, I believe he got saved. I, I would almost believe he's cheering me on. People are not the enemy. It's time for everybody to begin really walking in the God adventure. This is so much more real than anything we ever, ever imagined. So we want to ask, seek, and knock. So look at that. If you've only asked and asked and asked and begged and begged and begged and begged and asked and asked and asked and begged and begged and begged and asked and asked and asked, and then probably it's time to seek. And once you seek, you might find the answer, and boom. You might find out the authority you need. You might find out, and then he may do a knock. He may say, you need to go talk to this person about this. You, okay? Does everybody get this? All right. You want to have a word to fight with all the time. You remember when they gave the bread and in, in the wilderness? And you could only eat what you needed for that day, but then you had to throw it away or it was, it was no good. It's the same about a word that God gives you. Not that it's no good, but it's only good for the day he gives it to you. So you can't stand on one word 
and win a battle. So just like in the situation I've been talking about, it was the word about authority that really hit one of this couple when we did the healing. Like, wow, I didn't understand authority. I didn't see how this works. Now, how many know you could have, we have teaching on authority, right? But it never was real to them before, okay? How many know when we're in these trials, sometimes things become really real to us that before we had some hidden knowledge and all of a sudden we need the heart knowledge, right? All right. Um, so you want a word every time, you want a word every day from God anyway. You want a word to find, and what's amazing with God when he gives us a word, sometimes he shows off and all of a sudden you turn on the radio and the song has that word in it and then you, you turn around and, and somebody's preaching that and, and God, God loves to show off, you guys. He loves to say, this is your word, this is your word. Now that word may go through the whole trial, but, but be open to him revealing something to you every day showing you something you don't have to make it up but just be real to that all right and also you fight with your dreams and prophecies this this person had um a dream at the very beginning of this that has been so vital in this particular one god tries to show us things don't take the things of god lightly if he gives you a dream this dream showed this couple that this was not going to be a marathon well with what this baby event originally had this was going to be a marathon if the baby lived. And, and the marathon's over. They know it's not going to be a marathon. So they know to stand against things that would make it a marathon. At the same time, if it's going to be a marathon, I went through a marathon, okay? So it doesn't mean sometimes we don't go through marathons. And he's going to teach us and train us. He still is faithful. But um, actually, when I had to go through a marathon and some prophet came and told me, this isn't going to be, but they did it real spooky. <laughs> I probably freak people out sometimes too, but anyway, and they were like, this isn't going to be over quickly. I said, get out of here in the name of Jesus. I don't receive that. And I'm on my way over to the hospital and I'm telling you the longest chain in the whole world. This chain was so long, everybody got out of their cars. Everybody got out of their cars and they're looking and the train kept going. And it's like, where's the caboose? Where's the caboose? Where's the caboose? And finally the Lord says, this is going to be a long train ride. So just sit back and go for the ride. After that, you guys, every time a train would go by, I'd look to see if a caboose would go by quickly <laughs> for years. Like, where's that caboose? <laughs> All right. So, so he's going to give you things. All right. He's going to, he's going to talk with you. He's going to reveal things to you. Things are going to register. And, and let me say this. If God has tried to deal with you about something, He's not going to change his mind. And you're going to have a very difficult time winning your trial until you go back and deal with what he's already tried to get you to deal with. It may not seem related to the situation, but it is because it has you outside of God's will. See, we all like to pick and choose what we're going to deal with. Like, well, I'm not dealing with that. That's too hard. I'm not dealing with that. Okay, let me say this. This is good. Listen, everybody, listen. Whatever you haven't dealt with, is you're still in that trial, whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not. You haven't won yet. So you need to take everything we've talked about tonight and apply it to that trial. 
You don't get out of a trial by pretending you're not in one, being stubborn, deciding you're going to do it your way, and not dealing with issues. Can I get an amen? Some of you think you have, but stop and look at your lives. Stop and look at your health. Stop and look at your finances. Stop and look at your family situations. Stop and look at all the mess that's happened because you wouldn't deal with a trial that you are in. Every trial does not have to be life and death, thank God, and a five-minute decision. But God does not change his mind. He changes not. If he wants you to deal with something, he wants you to deal with it. And I'm amazed at how many people will dance around what he wants them to deal with and never go there. And if they would just go there, first of all, you're going to find out he's faithful. You're going to find out he knows how to do this. You're going to find out he's going to fix things. You're going to find out how good he is. So get over being stubborn. Get over being stubborn. If you know you haven't dealt with something that you know God showed you to deal with or tried to show you, then take everything we've just talked about and apply it to that trial because all the other trials you have all around it probably all go back to not dealing with that trial. This isn't like um, you go to a restaurant and you get to pick. Nah, 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 I don't want to deal with that one. Oh, this, this one will be all right. Let's deal with this little one here. Okay, we don't do that. And you don't want, let me say this too. When you get down to the emergency where it's really desperate, more than likely God tried to get to you way before it got to that. So what do we do when we find that out? We repent and ask God for mercy and ask him for more time and ask him to help you and what can we not be in no we need to be in a hurry if you're in a trial that you're five years behind God on no <laughs> you you missed this part condemnation you can't be in condemnation the minute you're in condemnation devil go it's too late now God tried to get you to do that three years ago. You didn't do it. It's too late now. First of all, why do you listen to him? Amen. Tell him to shut up in Jesus' name and send him to the pit and give him the punishment of Satan on the day of judgment for even trying to bother you right now. And mean it. And then you go back and say, okay, God, I really repent. You really did try to help me to see this. You really did try to help me. And Lord, if I sit back now and I quit blaming everybody and everything and I really take this all the way back, I realize I just didn't want to deal with this. Forgive me. I trust you more now, God. I believe you're going to get me through this now. And God, I know I'm asking for mercy. So be merciful to me, God. Please be merciful. You need mercy when you don't deal with what God wants you to deal with. Okay? What does mercy mean? You're not going to get what you deserve. That's why quit crawling down fire and judgment on everybody else we all need mercy we need mercy all right we need mercy you don't want to get what the devil should be able to give you because of your situation because you haven't repented because you haven't listened because you haven't done what god showed you because you haven't submitted to true authority because you've done all these messed up things how many know you don't want what you deserve so the only way not to get it after saying no, 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 no to God 
is to ask for mercy. And personally, if I was going to go ask for mercy, which I do all the time, I would also plead my case. Lord, would you show me why that was too hard for me to deal with? Would you show me why I, I tried to justify that thing? Show me why. So, so you get, get the conversation going with God, okay? Get the conversation going with God. It's a two-way conversation. Lord, show me. Show me why I didn't want to do that. You say, well, that would have been too, I would have felt, I would have felt like um, that would have been too mean. That would have been mean to, for me to do that. So then ask, so, and then say, so Lord, but why do you think I'd have you do something that's mean? What do you mean by mean? What do you mean? Because you got to tear it down. I always told you guys this, tear it down. Do I think I'm the savior of somebody else? Do I think it's my job to make sure they don't have a bad day? How many knows it was never Jesus' job to make sure we don't have a bad day? Actually, he prophesies, you'll have trouble tomorrow. Woohoo! But you've overcome. Okay? Can anybody think of anything I've left out? Because it's almost 9 o'clock. Does this help anybody? Okay, so, so you can go back and listen to it. You can take some notes. Um, of course, there's other things. You can't. But this is a good start. Get that relationship with Holy Spirit. Really get that. Make that such a priority in your life. Holy Spirit. And, and don't get bent on... See, our God is one. So if I'm spending more time talking to Holy Spirit than Jesus, Jesus isn't jealous. And if I'm spending more time talking to Jesus than the Father, the Father's not jealous. And he knows how to reveal himself to us what we need. But when we're down here and we're fighting, we seriously are totally being led by Holy Spirit to win, okay? So you kind of need to know him. That's why Satan likes nobody knowing much about him, okay? I need to know the Holy Spirit. I need to understand the Holy Spirit. I want to read more about the Holy Spirit. Go read everything the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. Really know Holy Spirit, okay? That's not sliding Jesus, okay? <laughs> And eventually over time, you'll, you'll have this relationship with Jesus and this relationship with Holy Spirit and this relationship with the Father, but they're one, so they're totally not jealous and they're totally cool about you flowing with all of them as you can get to the place. The Father's just been really uh, taking me into a deeper place with him um, and showing me some things even after all these years. And, and I was like, I feel kind of strange, Father, talking to you so much and, and not the Lord. And he goes, we're one. When you talk to me, you're talking to him. You can't even come to me without him. You know, and my spirit's right here. We're all one. But but just getting to that place of freedom in, in every area of your walk with God is amazing. So, Father, we come before you. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing tonight. I thank you for what you're doing for those who are watching and listening. Lord, we thank you that we have the awesome gift of a savior, a deliverer, a healer. We thank you for the finished work of the cross. We thank you, Jesus. You've already undone the works of the enemy. You've already undone that disease. You've already undone that relationship issue. You've already undone that financial problem. You've already, already undone it. You've already dissolved it. You've already taken care of it. You've already destroyed it. Lord, you've already done it. That's great. That's why it's a good fight. You've already done it. Everybody get that. Say, Jesus Christ 
has already defeated this enemy. Now, Holy Spirit, I yield to you. I follow you. Show me the way of escape. Show me any heart issues you want to deal with. Get all bitterness out of my heart. Help me to get clear revelation and sound doctrine. Increase my faith. Help me, Holy Spirit. Become my teacher, my comforter, someone I can depend on. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending your Son because of your great love for me that he would undo the works of the enemy and that he would go back to sit at your right hand so the Holy Spirit could come and live inside of me. Make me one with you. Make it so real. And I count it all joy, the trials I'm going through, because I'm going to learn to really trust you and obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you love this teaching, and you better say you love this teaching, then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. And also, check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you.